Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. You know, right now, which is 2020, one of the absolute worst years so far on record, certainly in my 56 years, absolutely the worst, we are constantly amazed at how each day it seems something new that's bad seems to be happening. And honestly, I can tell you, I never really was a big fan of leadership development, leadership training. We focus our effort on the boss, the person that just makes the trains run on time. But honestly, now looking at where we are today, I think now is the time where strategic, strong leadership actually is really, really needed. And so the person I have on this episode is going to talk to us about the power of not only regular leadership, but the power of positive leadership. My friend Mark Stevens is a coach, he's a speaker, he's a consultant. I've known Mark for many years now, and he has really got a ton of experience. And he's got some new training under his belt, he's got some certifications, and he is pushing really hard into this space of developing really good, strong, and yet positive leaders. And so today we're gonna talk about that. What is the power of positive leadership? And how do we get that power? Mark's a great speaker. I know you're going to love him. So let's quit talking about him. Let's talk to him. Please welcome our guest, Mark Stevens. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Mark Stevens, welcome to the show. Mac, it's great to be on with you. It is really fun. You know, I can't believe that I have not thought about having you on the show earlier. Um, You and I, I guess could say, go pretty far back. And I thought what we do this morning is start off before we get into the topic. I want to hear about your background. I have known you since the probably 2003 or four. Yeah. And you've, I mean, you've gone from one role to one that is completely different now. Quite a journey. And uh, so tell us about your journey, Mark, and then tell us what you're doing today. And then we'll get into some of these questions. Yeah, I've had a lot of different uh, roles. I, I graduated in computer science so I could make a lot of money. And, and honestly, I wanted to try to give a lot of money away. That was my goal. And I did that for a while and uh, really enjoyed it. And, and then uh, about five years into that, it made a, a pivot to a totally different direction and kind of got involved in in uh, ministry uh, full time, and and then the last uh, several years, kind of uh, made a, a, a smaller pivot and kind of helping out leaders and helping leaders uh, grow. I'm I'm a trainer for John Gordon. He's written twenty books, over twenty books, and uh, uh, Energy Bus is New York Times bestseller, and. Um, he has people to lead workshops. So I've been working with him. And then also I got certified by the International Coaching Federation as a leadership coach. So I'm, I've been coaching executives and managers and uh, people in sport because that's a little, my background also for the last several years. And I love it. I love helping others. That's what I, whatever I've done, it's about helping other people. And that's really what I enjoy. So your background too, you were, did you wrestle in high school and college? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I wrestled through, uh, through high school. We were two-time state champs way back in the day and uh, went to college to wrestle. 
and lasted about two weeks and uh, realized that they'd just as soon break me in half versus uh, beat me. And, uh, and uh, so like many people who make the transition, I didn't, I didn't last very long, but that allowed me to take up coaching. And I have uh, been a sport coach for 35 years, uh, 20 years, high school wrestling coach. And I like to say God in his infinite wisdom, great sense of humor, gave me four daughters, none of which are wrestlers. <laughs> so I have learned to coach girls lacrosse and I've coached youth girls across 15 years. Um, I've coached it here where I live and then I've coached it in the inner city. Um, but I love coaching. And I think one of the reasons I love coaching is I love helping other people. I love seeing people grow and do something maybe that they thought they couldn't do uh, to do it now. And that's kind of been, been my journey. Yeah. And you even have, I guess, uh, you have one daughter still in college who plays lacrosse. She's pretty good from what I hear. Uh, wow. Do you want me really to brag on her now? I really <laughs> do. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, please. Uh, you know, uh, Lily, when I coach rec lacrosse U9, uh, she's the youngest of our four. And so she always watched her sisters play. She wanted to get in the game. And when she was four, she literally grabbed a mouthpiece that was unformed, way too big for her mouth, put it in her mouth, found some extra goggles in my coach's bag and a stick. And she said, dad, put me in. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And uh, she was a natural. And I, she didn't know offense from defense. I said, go next to number seven, follow that girl around. When the ball goes on the ground, scoop it up, look over at me, and I'll tell you which way to run. And that's how it started. And uh, this year she went to Frostburg University, which is now a Division II school here in Maryland. And um, in her shortened three-week season, you know, as a parent, you just hope your kid goes and plays. And then I was hoping she would get some playing time and then maybe even start and maybe even contribute. But uh, in the third week of her three-week season, she got named Conference Player of the Week. That's great. And so, yep, you walked into that one, Mac. I'm, I'm proud, proud. Well, no, I, I saw – I mean, I saw what you had posted about her. I thought, man, she, that's really good because, I mean – you know, so I've known you for a long time and then we moved from Maryland six years ago. So I've not really seen, you know, let, now all your girls are grown up and I think a couple of them are married yeah. and, and yeah. you have one step. But I remember when they were little and you used to say I'm a minority and a sorority, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. One yeah. of my favorite lives, one wife and four daughters and a female dog. So I'm definitely a minority and a sorority. I don't know how you did that. I mean, I have, you know, two daughters, but my one, when she was home and my wife, my goodness, the two of them were just a constant. I think I called you once just like, how do you do this? Because I'm going great. We had a snowstorm that the, I, the driveway iced over. I was trapped in the house with the two of them for a week. And I was looking, I was about to chew my own arm off to get out of there. It was uh, tough, but you weathered that storm. And, and this is great. I, I, you know, you've raised some great kids. And so now, you know, you were on a different path. You were working, building leaders. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear more about the power of positive leadership. I've got this model in front of me that looks uh, interesting. I don't really know how it works. I was hoping you could talk to us about that. So tell us what that is. Yeah. So, um, uh, again, um, John, John Gordon um, has written a, a lot of different books, and, and this is one that a lot of people have gra gravitated to. I think that, you know, the, 
some books you kind of scratch your head. You're like, what is this about? Like the power of positive leadership is the name of the book. You don't have to scratch your head about it, right? It's about leadership and it's about being positive. And we need that more than ever uh, right now. We need um, leaders to step into their role. There's a lot of people in a leadership role um, wherever they are on the, on the ladder, on the totem pole in their office, they, they're probably all have some level of, of leadership, uh, responsibility, even if it's self-leadership. And so we, we have to, you know, number one, own our role in leadership. And obviously we all have experienced negative environments in environments where people are tearing each other down. And we would much prefer to be in the positive environment. And Mac, you know this more than anybody else. It's, a lot of people don't leave their job because of, of money. Um, that is a factor. But one of the factors that, that almost trumps that more is the environment and the culture that people work in, they would take less money to be at a place where it was enjoyable and they love to work. So the, this model the, that I sent you is, is not necessarily a step-by-step, but it is a little bit of a, a, little bit of a roadmap um, for leaders to embrace and to think about and evaluate themselves and their organization. Well, this seems to me like it would work really good in an organization that was relatively stable. So we'll, let's go ahead and do a time and date stamp on our talk this morning, Mark. Today is Monday, June the 1st. So if you on, let's say, January 1st were told that within six months, the world would basically be on fire, would you have believed it? No way. No, I mean, what the biggest problem we wrestled with was, okay, when you write a check, are you going to put the year as 20 or 2020, right? Yeah. Remember when that was like, oh my God, what do we do? Yes, yes. But but now we have a, a, you know, a pandemic that has completely, you know, frozen the economy. And then within the last few days now, we've got, you know, riots going on in almost every major city. Now, how is a positive leader going to step up in an environment like that? Yeah, uh, they they need to step up and and we need um, we need we need to be positive and part of it is is self reflection is looking at our own selves looking inward looking at our own heart and seeing you know what is wrong in our in our own heart with our own views in our own lives and then looking at the situation and others with with empathy with with care. Um, a lot of negative leaders and leaders who are just uh, out for themselves don't care for others. And a positive leader is going to self-reflect and then also going to care about others. And people want to um, work for somebody that that cares about them. And that's where we've we've got to start. And during this time, we need a lot of grace, you know, grace is unmerited favor. And we need to extend that um, to our employees and to others because things are not, quote, normal right now. No, they're about the furthest I could think from normal. And of course, every time I think we've hit rock bottom, somebody breaks out a 
you know, an excavator and takes us a step lower. And so seems to me, if you ever wanted to step up and be a leader, you have, you're not going to find a better time than now, but you argue that whoever steps up has got to lead with, with a positive, I guess, perspective. Yeah. It comes from inside, right? Yeah. 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 It comes from inside. And one of the things I love is, a. Is one of the things I love about this the, the 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 power positive leadership model, and and you'll get this along the way through our conversation. Is there are some stories and some hooks and some uh, terminology that are used that really help you as a as a leader. And so, you know, one of those we talk about: Are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? You know, when you when you put a carrot in hot water, when you put it in that, in that heat, it turns soft because of its environment. And when you put an egg in hot water, it turns hard in that environment. But when you put a coffee bean inside of hot water, it transforms that water into something beautiful, especially if you're a coffee drinker. Um, It's like magic. And the question we have to ask ourselves today is this environment that we found are in pandemic and riots. Are we going to get soft? Some people are getting soft. Some people are getting hard and some people are stepping in to the possibility of transforming their current environment as best they can do um, to make something beautiful. That's a great analogy. You know, I'm looking at the model here, and so it, and I guess the it, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and share this in the show notes, but it says positive leader, and then it's taken like a kind of a left turn, and it's going in this loop. And so the first step is positive impact. I suspect that's kind of what we talked about already, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So th- that's being a coffee bean. That's the positive impact. Okay, so the next one then on the drive here is it says drive positive cultures. So talk to us about what that is. You know, Malcolm, you, um, I keep calling, I call you Malcolm because that's, that's okay. You are grandfathered in for those of you who wonder who the heck is Malcolm. That's my given name. It's just too hard to spell. And, and so I finally says, forget one day I got upset at a Starbucks and said, from now on it's Mac. <laughs> so you, you're, you're off the hook, Mark. Cause I've known you knew me back in those days. Thank you. Thank you. I like you all the way around. You can call me whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> I just won't call you late for dinner. That's right. Um, you know, uh, culture is such a buzzword and has been a buzzword the last few years, but it's so important. Positive leaders drive positive cultures and we negative leaders drive negative cultures. And we, we need more positive um, leaders. You can't separate the leader from the culture. So who are you? What are your values? What do you stand for? Um, and I've been working with a company and several companies, and I'll share, you know, some stories along the way, and they just retooled and got all their, their core values, you know, so your core values really should uh, drive your, drive your culture and your culture drives your expectations and beliefs and your expectations and beliefs drive your behaviors and your behaviors drive your habits. And we need to understand what is the culture we want to, we, um, 
we want to have and and the values we want to have, those turn into expectations and beliefs which drive the behaviors and drive the habits. So one of the questions we ask people is, what are, throw out a company name or two that you think has a great culture. And I, I kind of throw that back to you, Malcolm, like um, in your ex- personal experience, I'd love f- for you to share a company or two of, of that you think has a great culture and, and why do you think they have a great culture? Oh yeah. I, I mean, sadly, Mark, you know, I'm kind of like the doctor, right? Doc, the doc, tell us about your healthiest patient ever, right? You're not going <laughs> to yeah. see them. Um, and typically when we do business, you know, the, there's work to be done, but I will tell you, there is one that stands out above all others. And I'll even tell you the company name because they deserve, they are recognized almost every year as one of the best places to work in the state of Connecticut. And that is a company known as COCC. Um, from top to bottom, it is one of the healthiest cultures I've ever seen. Wow! They are constantly hiring. They are constantly doing well. I was just on a web uh, training session with them last week and they're financially they're doing amazing their customers are happy they're still hiring wow. it is a phenomenal place to be and and here's the thing i tell people i i've worked with them long enough uh, over 10 years that i know how the sausage is made over there and yet <laughs> i would still i have a mentee here in murfreesboro tennessee that i'm desperately trying to get her in there if my daughter said dad i really want to work at cocc i'd say you have my absolute blessing. Yeah, yeah. I'll go so far as to say, if I ever, God forbid, had to go work for somebody again, uh, I would work there, but I would still not be happy. So, so overall, yeah. I mean, hands down, Mark, best company I've ever worked with. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And when I throw that out in the workshops, you know, people, a lot of people bring up Chick Fil A. A lot of people bring up Southwest Airlines. Um, I think about a a golf course that I go golf at. And, you know, it makes you think, what is the the culture? Well, we can, you know, Malcolm, for all your miles, you know, Southwest is fun, right? Yeah. It's yes. a fun, it's a, they hire fun people. Therefore they have a fun culture and therefore the flight and the travel is as enjoyable as it possibly can be. Um, if you're, if you're familiar with Chick-fil-A, I know there's 2000 restaurants around the, around the country and there's certain pockets that that they're not there yet, but Chick-fil-A has incredible customer service and they always, you know, if you say thank you, they have to say my pleasure. My pleasure. That's right. Yeah. And you just, people love, love it. Um, They're not selling chicken sandwiches. They're selling a great experience. And each one of us needs to self-reflect and evaluate and say, these are some beautiful cultures that we've experienced, that we've read about. Um, how do we have that in our own company? How do we do that? We have to change the culture. And the culture culture seems really fuzzy, uh, but it's not fuzzy. It ultimately gets down to, after the expectations and beliefs and behaviors, it becomes a habit. And a clear example is the one I just gave. A habit at Chick-fil-A is when you say thank you, they say my pleasure. That's a habit that's driven by the hate behaviors that they want, that's driven by their expectations for the ultimate of their culture to be a place that people have a great experience. No, it's a, it's very true. This uh, company I've talked about, it's 
their four core values can you t- I ask anybody, they can spit them out for you. Mm. And every decision is based on those. And so those are success stories. I mean, that's, you've named several, I've given you some. Yes. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, I've certainly seen the opposite with an organization. There's really a couple, there's the kind that are successful in spite of themselves. <laughs> and then there are some that just wake up every morning saying, how can we absolutely screw this company up a little bit more today? If I could do a little more than last week, I'll be happy. <laughs> so you see both of those. Yes. Yes. Yes, you do. You do see both. Uh, I try not to think about and uh, uh, talk too much about the, but the negative, the negative ones. But I, I I've just found in my life is is somebody who's been a leader and had up to 45 staff and hired a lot of people. Uh, People really value the company culture and how they are treated there, how they feel for where they're at, um, for what the, the, the product or the service that they're, they're offered really, really does really does matter. And, um, Anybody who's listening to this um, needs to fully embrace that um, to so they can be a positive leader that drives positive culture. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's talk about the next step here. And we won't go through all of them. There's a bunch of them. But this one intrigues me a little bit, too. It says, uh, for a positive leader, they have to have positive impact, drive positive cultures. Here's the one that's interesting. Create and share a positive vision. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so vision is your is is the future, and 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 as a leader, are you have you really thought about what is your vision? And some people just get up and they, you know, they learn how to make a widget, and that's what they do. They do they just go and make the widget, and then they needed help making a widget, and then they got so they got some help, and then they need. And next thing you know, they got thirty or forty employees, and they've really never they've moved beyond the mom and pop shop and they really need to sit down. And so when they're quote onboarding new staff, there needs to be clarity of what is our vision? Where are we going? What is our, our North star? And, and so leaders need to create that, uh, that vision. And sometimes they, uh, need to, they know it, but they just haven't communicated it. And sometimes they need to bring in an outside person to help them navigate that. So your vision is is really the the. I like to say um, we need to have a, a, a telescope and a microscope. So your telescope, you pull that out and you see the the north star and you see where we're going. But leaders also need to pull out the microscope. And the microscope is really what is what is our what are the kind of the specific things when we zoom in that we need to be really good at, and so great leaders are gonna are gonna create this this shared uh, vision by using a telescope and a and a microscope, and people need to understand clearly what that is that that works for you. So that's kind of the vision piece here. Um, and, and like I said, the telescope and the microscope really put some handles to it. No, I like that. Uh, long, big picture and little picture. And yes. I, you know, I don't know about you. Most people that I talk to, 
you know, they can work for a lot of different places because we do have a pretty good talent pool here in the U.S. at least mm-hmm. when people were all working. But when you have the choice to pick a place to work, it seems like most people want to go to a place where there's some meaning in that. And more than just a name, you know, when you go to a, especially in where you live in the, the I guess they call it the DMV now. Yes. Um, which, what a horrible name, calling something a DMV <laughs> of all things. But, you know, the, the first question you get asked when you go to somewhere is, oh, what do you do? Yeah. And then, oh, well, who do you work for? Yeah. And I think people are pretty proud to put it out there. You know, if, if I was, oh, who do you work for? Um, I work for American Airlines. I'd almost want to go hide in the corner. But if I worked for Southwest, I'd be like, Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And let me tell you why they're so amazing. It seems to me that people want to go to a place where they can take pride in what people are doing there and what they're doing. And I think that's all tied to this vision. Who are we going to be? And uh, if you're on board with that, man, you'll go places. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, um, you know, one of the, the, the places that have a great culture and a great vision is Clemson football. Uh, now, I know I'm talking to a Tennessee guy. You might be Tennessee football. Yeah, I almost threw up in my mouth a little bit there, but go on. She's, 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 please don't tell me you're a Redskin fan still. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm committed <laughs> to the end. And although I think every year is the end and it can't get much worse and they never cease to amaze me. <laughs> uh, you know, Clemson football, uh, Dabo Sweeney really transformed that that culture and he does a lot of actually John Gordon works with the team. So you see a lot of things. If you follow John on social media, you see a lot of stuff about Clemson football, but you know, they have a great uh, vision and they have a great leader. And, and Dabo Sweeney is, is often described as an overbeliever, you know, mm-hmm. not overachiever, but overbeliever. And he really believes in the vision of raising up, you know, young men that are going to make a positive impact uh, once they graduate. And they do that through the platform of football. Hmm. And I think Chick-fil-A wants to create a great experience and, and have a positive impact on people's lives. And they do that by having a restaurant and selling chicken sandwiches. And, and so everybody needs to have kind of that big vision that 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 and and get everybody to to share into it but it starts with the leader knowing what the vision is and casting the vision that's great well kind of on the next step here on the little model um, leading with optimism positivity and belief so we talked a little bit about us living in some pretty depressing times right now and that it sort of has to come from within but talk to us a little bit more about that i mean did we make a choice to be optimistic how does this happen yeah, there's a there's a, a story told about the out in this village, and uh, the guy says, "How how do you get through all of this?" And he said, "There's you know there's two voices in your mind. There's the positive dog and the negative dog, and you have to figure out which one you're going to listen to, and." The guy said, well, how do I do that? And he says, you got to feed the positive dog. Mm-hmm. And too many times we feed the negative dog and we just keep feeding it, feeding and feeding and feeding it. And then everything's negative. So we got to find ways and words to feed um, the positive uh, dog and to be more 
to be more optimistic, uh, Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. That's a great, great analogy. Uh, Too many times, Mac, we let people with their dirty feet walk through our minds and and uh, it's by what they say or it's by us watching too much TV or too much social media. Um, it's that's it's a lot of it's just dirty. We need to be knowledgeable. We don't need to have our head in the sand, but we cannot let all of these people walk through our our mind like this. Seems like if you give yourself a steady diet of uh, news coverage and social media, that's like the dirty feet store, isn't it? Yes, 100%. 100%. Too much of that. And two other kind of things we talk about in this, in this realm of positive leaders lead with optimism, positivity, and belief is one is Dr. James Gillis. He did two Ironmans. Uh, he did Iron Man back to back. He did, I think he did it six times in his life. So the Iron Man is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and a and a marathon, 26.2 miles. That's an Iron Man. So he did one on Saturday. Woke up the next morning and did it again. Jeez. Now that's crazy. People said, "How did you do that?" And he said, "I had to talk to myself versus listen to myself." When I listened to myself, I was like, ah, you're hurt. You can quit. Nobody's going to, it's amazing what you've already done. And he had these negative thoughts in his mind. And he said, I had to start to talk to myself and say, you can do this one more mile. Just get half, half mile. Look what you're able to uh, accomplish. You're 59 years old and you're doing this. And so I think that's one strategy we need to use is we need to think about talking to ourselves versus listening to ourselves. And the other thing is to have an attitude of gratitude. You you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. It's actually doctors say it's actually uh, research shows it's actually impossible to do. And so when we feel stressed, we need to start to be thankful and have an attitude of gratitude. And a a practical way to do that is maybe each morning you have a gratitude walk where you start the morning um, with a walk of things that you're thankful for, just simple things uh, about the weather or whatever, whatever you're, you have a family, these kind of things. Um, Or I, I do a thank, I do a thankful journal. Um, some people do it in the morning. I do it at night. So every night before I go to bed, I write down three things that I'm thankful for. This puts me in the right mindset, especially before I go to sleep too. So it also uh, makes me a more positive leader, but also gives me a better night's sleep. So I think everybody needs encouragement uh, today. If, if uh, somebody said who needs encouragement, if, if somebody's walking and breathing, they need encouragement. Yeah, without a doubt. So, you know, my high school football coach, when we'd make mental mistakes, would say, get your mind right. And it sounds like that's a little bit about what you've talked about. You get your own mind right. But what do I do then, Mark, when I got a bunch of negative people on the team? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that we cover is we got to transform and and sometimes even remove, uh, remove negativity and really uh 
Mac, you've seen it. A lot of us experience it. There is a lot of truth to one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I I was uh, I've been working with this company this last several weeks, and when I was coaching the the executive team and in meeting with each leader one to one, and they're talking about their departments. The number one pain point, when I said, what is your pain point that I could coach you on? And it was a person. Wow. It was a person. It was a negative person. And if they could just have that dealt, that person dealt with, then um, their life would be so much better. Their enjoyment of their job would be so much better. But here's the, a leader, an executive position that says it's a person and they've just dealt with, they've just kind of ignored it. They dealt with it by ignoring it, honestly, and try to insulate that negative person from others. But one of the things you can do is is implement um, a no complaining rule. John even wrote a book called No Complaining Rule. And um, and, and this is, is that if you, if you want to bring something that you quote want to complain about, that you're going to have to have, it better be a legitimate uh, complaint. And it must come with one or two proposed solutions. What a lot of leaders want to do is they just want to complain. They want to come in and they want to vomit on you and just blah, they vomit on you. Guess what? After you vomit, you feel better. So they vomit and they feel better, but you as the leader, you're stuck with all the vomit to clean up. Mm -hmm. And not even moms really want to clean up the vomit, right? As much as they love their own kids, they really don't want to be vomited on. And leaders don't want to be vomited on or complained on. So come with some type of um, solution. I love this story. I was in a workshop and an athletic director said, this is what he's done. And, And for me as a coach who's coached 35 years, sports coach 35 years, you want your you want the custodian to be your best friend because they're the ones that's going to complain to the principal or whatever. And they got keys to everything. And basically they can override anybody because when you're there on the weekends and nobody else is there, it's you and the custodian. So an AD was worn out by a custodian's complaint. And so he said, next time you come in with some complaint, I want you to smile the whole time you're complaining. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. And I'm like going, that is really hard to do. Think about that. Think about that, Mac. You're going in to complain to somebody and you're forced to smile the whole time. Wow. That would be rough. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So uh, I, I, John, uh, John Gordon wrote a book called Energy Bus and he really talks about this whole topic and he labels people energy vampires. Hmm. Wow. An energy vampire just sucking the life and the culture out of a company and what leaders really want. And part of dealing with the, the these folks is we have to go a little bit deeper. And this goes back to what I said in the very beginning, and that is um, caring about our people. We have to ask them what's going on. Because a lot of times when people are acting like this, something's going on inside of them. And a good amount of time, it might be something not well at home. You know, uh, kids driving their parents nuts, being really rebellious or, or somebody dealing with their elderly parents. And it's just 
made their life really wobbly. And of course, now with the pandemic and the riots and and, uh, racial things that are going on, it's a tough time. And so everybody's dealing with something that we, we know what they're dealing with. It's very out in the open. And then there's internal things that are, that are going on. And so we've got to extend some grace to them. Sometimes we, sometimes they need to know that they're loved and cared for. Um, and sometimes there needs to be a one-on-one confrontation and just clearly uh, laying down the guidelines of what are the expectations of the uh, of the culture and encouraging them to really lean into it and then the the last thing is really that sometimes we just have to remove them they are not going to change and you've given them the opportunity you've listened to them you've cared for them you've given them some steps but they have not changed and then some it's it's just what you have to do you have to remove them well i know a lot of people probably push back from that but they may find themselves much happier someplace else too. You know, not everybody's a perfect fit for your culture, are they? No, the, no, they're not. And you need to, you need to do that. One of the, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever read the book called uh, ideal team player by Patrick Leonsi. Yes. Yes. Wow. I love that book. Um, and if you're a hiring person to, to read that book, know that book. So Patrick Leonsi talks about three great uh, attributes of anybody he hires, humble, hungry, and smart. So you're humble, you're coachable, you're teachable, you're hungry, you get up, you get after it, you show up early, you stay late, you ask great questions, and then you're smart. You're not smart, you graduated from Princeton or Harvard. Smart, you're good relationally. You can read the room, you can read people, and that kind of smart. And Patrick Leonsi says the most dangerous person on your team is someone who's smart and hungry. Why? Because a hungry person is getting after it. They're, 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 and this story that I was just telling you about this company, this is their top players in their department are their, are their energy vampires. Mm-hmm. And, and they are, they are hungry. They get after it. They're the, they, they describe these people as brilliant, get after it, get, great things are happening. And they decided them as, as smart as they know how to navigate everything and get the job done. But they're not humble. So when they come in and say, here's how our culture is going to be, or here's where, where we're going to go in this direction, that person is not doing it. And so it's so hard to let that person go because they're often your top performer. This makes it a, a challenge. So that's a great book uh, to read. I, I, I knew you had read that book. Yeah. Oh, I love all his writing because it's so readable. It's a story, you know, which is the best way anybody learns anything. But, you know, I, I agree with this, Mark. I mean, you, you let enough of those people in. Unfortunately, many of the people on the leadership team will overlook that because they're taken in by the numbers and the productivity. But, you know, they'll be draining out some of their best talent out the other side because people don't want to work there anymore. Or... Mm-hmm. If you believe in the culture and you see this disconnect, then you think, well, you know, what is real here? Is this just something we talk about at work? But when I see results, we're not holding to it. And uh, and that's a tough place for a person to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, for sure. And so these, these kind of things need to be dealt with and addressed with, with care, with care, not with a hammer, with, with care and do all we can 
exhaust every option to transform uh, the, the person in the situation before we make the final decision to remove them. Yeah. Well, Mark, you obviously have done a lot of work with this model. You also have now been certified by the ICF to be a, a leadership coach, which I know that's a great deal of um, coaching you've had to go and, you know, you've got, I think, mentor coaches and things like that. So, and then let's put 35 years of coaching experience on top of that. Yeah. So how are you using this now? Well, what does it look like to contact Mark Stevens to help us get our organization back on track? How are you putting all those together? Yeah, thanks. Um, so people can reach me at my website, coachmarkstevens.com. And that's uh, Stevens is spelled with a, with a P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. Um, coachmarkstevens.com. That's the best place to reach me. So I've been doing these things separately and together. So some people have, uh, I've done uh, virtual workshops for people through the Power of Positive Leadership, the Power of Positive Teams, and some of the other stuff that John Gordon's offers. And I have some of my own stuff about uh, living forward, which is putting together a life legacy that I've done with some, some people. And then separately, I've done coaching. I have clients, uh, mid-level managers, executives that I've been working with one-on-one, setting up a three-month, six-month, 12-month plan where they come with their pain points, with the places that they're stuck, that they need a confidential outside voice to ask them some powerful questions, to draw out of them the solutions that are best for their company. I'm not a consultant to come in and tell them what to do. Um, I'm, I'm a coach. I want to draw out of them what's best for their company because they're living in it. And then I've actually put these two, uh, together. So for some, uh, a company I'm working with right now, I've done virtual training for their executive team and then followed up each training with a one-on-one, um, call with the executives for 45 minutes to kind of process some of this. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And I love it because I love helping people. That's what I love doing. I love helping people. Well, should a company wait until like the riots are done and we've got a vaccine for COVID-19 before they call you? Because right now no one's in a good place. Should we wait, Mark, or is it okay to start working on this now? Now is the time. Honestly, now is the time. People need to make a a plan and uh, begin to um, ask themselves tough questions and transform their culture and sometimes the best thing you can do is um, be an outside voice and somebody who's focused on this. And the more and more companies I work with, the more and more stories and situations I get of negativity and tragedy where we've been able to help and infuse some positivity during a very uh, difficult time. But I love walking alongside leaders, no matter what role I've had in my career it's been about helping others and walking alongside people and, and leaders need help more walking alongside them more than ever right now. Well, and I've known you for many years and that's that. So the, the Mark Stevens that's talking to me this morning is just a far more educated experienced version of the one I knew years ago, who's always encouraging and wanting to walk alongside you. So, so I'm going to ask you one more question, Mark, and I've been asking this of a lot of my guests lately. 
2020 will go down in history as probably like, you know, 1929 or 2001 or 2008 of just terrible years. And it's affected a lot of people. But I think one of the groups that it's affected the most, and maybe we won't know the full extent till years from now, but think about the high school senior and think about the college senior. One got no prom and no walk through graduation. The other got no walk through graduation and probably doesn't have a job. So what would you tell them if you could be the keynote speaker for the entire you know, nation of the United States? What would be your words of advice? Yeah, as a coach, I like to ask powerful questions. And one of the things that um, I asked myself, and actually our whole family sat down, Mac, and asked ourselves was, what is possible now that was not possible pre-sitting in this virus? What is possible now that wasn't possible before? And to really wrestle with that and not focus on what I can't do, I can't do this, I can't do that, and all the things that you just listed that we can't do, right? Um, in the list, you, you, just, you barely touched on it. But what is possible now with my life and with my time that wasn't possible before. And, you know, I see what parents have done now. Parents have done virtual things online. Parents have done, uh, put signs in front of seniors' yards. Uh, teachers have driven around neighborhoods in caravans and honked the horns. My daughter, who is a senior, graduated from nursing school. They did a drive-through graduation they called their name. We were all in the car. We drove up. She got her diploma and everybody had masks on, but she stayed in the car and everybody stayed in the car, but they recognized them and, and they honored him. And for us, we did something that we didn't do for other girls. I, I got 60 people to send me a video congratulating my daughter uh, for, for, for her for accomplishment. And we didn't do that before because we had a party. But we weren't able to have a party. So what could we do? And so I just want to encourage everybody to think of what is possible now that wasn't possible before. That's powerful. Well, CoachMarkStevens.com, Mark Stevens. You've had people walking through our heads with dirty feet. You've had people vomiting all over us. It's been quite a memorable talk, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. I'm so grateful. No, it's been my pleasure. And uh, yeah, let's definitely make it a point to stay better in touch, even though we are several states and a time zone away. Um, if you are listening today, please go to coachmarkstevens.com. I've known Mark a long time. He is definitely somebody you want to partner with. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Mac. Have a great day. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm -hmm.